Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. Hola, mi gente, and welcome to another episode. Our guest today is Omar Ureste. Omar, I've actually have literally known all of his life, and he has one of those unique jobs that he actually gets to play for work and make money. Omar Ureste, professional golfer. Omar, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, JR. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. For, thank you for joining us on this episode. Omar, you've been golfing for about how long? 48 years. 48 years. You started as what? Four, four years old. No. Literally four years old. Yeah. How did you get into golf? I mean, it's it's one thing that a lot of Latinos, I mean, now you see more and more, but you've been doing it for so long, there weren't very many Latinos in, in the game. What what perked your interest? How did you get started? Uh, my dad used to play a little bit. Not not that, uh, I think at one point he was pretty good, and then he his game kind of fell apart, and then he, so he quit for a little while, and then he got back into it, and he used to take me out to Lions Municipal and Butler Pitch and Putt and me and my brothers. Over, and, in, over in Austin? Yeah, over in Austin. And uh, he just I would take me out and I picked it up. He cut down a seven iron for me when I was four years old and I just started swinging at it and fell in love with it. My gosh, I literally remember you uh, growing up that the golf bag was just about as tall as you were dragging that thing out to the out to the course yes yes and when we'd go out and play my both my brothers and i and my dad uh my whoever lost the hole between my brothers would have to carry me and the other one would carry the bag when i once i got too tired (laughs) well that seems fair um so you've been playing for for all these years now let me ask you as you've kind of grown up in the game literally what kind of changes have you seen (sighs) many changes in the game the equipment's the biggest thing um the equipment's more forgiving it's easier to hit um you know the golf ball goes farther than it used to doesn't spin as much so it goes as straight it goes a lot straighter than uh than it used to so you know it's uh it's been a big change the courses now because of the equipment have gotten longer okay so and, you know, and then the one thing out on tour on the PGA Tour and Champions Tour now is just that the the level of play has just increased so much. There's so many more young golfers out there than there used to be. Back when we were growing up, it was kind of looked upon as a kind of a nerdy game or, you know, somebody who wasn't maybe very athletic uh, would fall back on golf or, or whatever, or, or a rich man's game as well. But uh, a lot of the football players and baseball players didn't really – take to golf until later in their careers and then the, i had many in college of the, the football players at the university of texas used to walk up and was like man i wish i'd have started playing golf when i was a kid <laughs> and that's your alma mater right university of texas yes it is you're on the golf team there it's on the golf team there and uh actually when you were there they got they won quite a few championships during that period didn't uh, they? we won conference the southwest conference three of the four years i was there we finished, I think our best finish at Nationals was actually second place. Um, and I think another time we finished like eighth or ninth. So wasn't as good as it could have been, but uh, they were still good finishes. Okay. And you also played on the uh, high school golf team. Yes, at Crockett High School in Austin. 
And junior high, no golf team in junior high? No golf team at Fulmore, no. <laughs> okay. But been golfing pretty consistently. How many how many days a week are you on a golf course? Um, average week, five or six. Five or six? Yeah. So, Omar, let me ask you this. I know the, the tournaments, you're in an actual tournament about how often? Mm. I know there's different seasons and stuff, but give it, on an average? I'm usually... Well, nowadays, not as much as I used to be. When I first got out on the PGA Tour, I was playing probably 30, an average of 30 tournaments a year. And now I'm only playing about maybe 12 to 15. Okay. But in between tournaments, you would practice? Yes. Would come home, maybe take a day or two off, and then get back at it and practice for a couple of weeks trying to get ready for the next ones. So even though a lot of people think it uh, looks like a great life and it may be kind of fun just to play golf and make a living, that's work. It is work. It's uh, it's grueling, especially if you're not one of the top players. If you're just squeaking by or struggling to make it, it's uh, it's a grueling way to live. Um, and I lived like that for quite a while, you know, just kind of week to week or, you know, year to year trying to hope make things, uh, you know, just to squeak by really. And Fortunately, uh, a lot of that play, you know, paid off for me, you know, and I'm, I'm not that I'm living uh, <laughs> enormously well or anything, but uh, I'm able to, to get by and survive and have a good time and continue to play the game that I love. Omar, you have a condo on the golf course in Onion Creek in Austin. You're doing fine. I'm doing okay. You're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be modest. You're doing okay. So. But so... As you're looking, I can only imagine, and, and please, I am very ignorant when it comes to golfing because <laughs> unless the course has a windmill or an alligator <laughs> or a pirate, I don't play the course. But um, there's entry fees these, to these tournaments, right? The majority of the smaller tournaments, yes. The uh, PGA Tour, actually, and the Champions Tour don't have entry fees anymore. Okay. Uh, but when we first got out, they did, but they were only 100 bucks. When... It's like the smaller the level of of the tour, then the more the entry fee is because that's the way they raise the their, prize money. Their, their prize money. So, but as a, as a golfer, professional golfer, I can imagine you spending a lot of money just in equipment and greens fees and practice and. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and once you turn professional, fortunately, most of the companies will give you equipment. Um, you know, Tideless has been my golf ball golf shoe golf glove supplier ever since i turned pro so fortunately i haven't had to pay for that stuff ever um so except, like, like with other major sports there's sponsors right they're sponsors um some guys get you know like i said most of the club companies will s- supply the pros with their equipment and most of the uh and then some of the pros will get other sponsorships on the side to maybe help with travel and stuff like that I can only assume when new clubs or new equipment comes out, all the all those manufacturers want the pros to try it. <laughs> That's Show right. It off. Yeah, they are out there constantly trying to get guys into their equipment, which I don't blame them, especially um, if it's good stuff. Right now, um, the uh, Tideless has just has just come out with some new drivers and fairway woods, and so they just sent me a couple to give a try, and I'm going to see what uh, how they feel. Okay, Omar, what? What advice would you have for somebody? Let's say you have a young listener out there, somebody who's possibly in their teens, uh, maybe college, loves the game, that's thinking of becoming pro. What what advice or suggestions would you give them? 
don't do it. Is that, yeah. <laughs> one of them? It's a headache. No, um, just to set some goals and then set some steps in ways to achieve those goals. That was one thing I really didn't do much of when I was, when I was younger. I didn't, yes, I had goals, but I didn't have a format really to achieve some of those goals. I knew I needed to practice, but it wasn't structured. It wasn't structured enough. I don't think, but you know, that allowed me to, I think to have a little more fun with it. And you know, if it might've been more structured, if I'd have had some more solid, definite goals, um, I, if I had written them down, Mm -hmm. you know, and looked at them every so often. And I think that might've helped me achieve a little bit more. So actually writing down your goals and objectives and sticking to a, a schedule. Yes, definitely. You got to stick to a schedule. It's uh, so even though you had the discipline to go out there and practice all the time, you didn't have, you wish you'd had more discipline in, in sticking to some sort of schedule or right. Or, or folk, you know, set a schedule up each week on what part of my game might need more work that week than, than the other, where I just kind of went out and did a little bit of everything and, you know, not really always focusing on one aspect of the right. game that might have needed more work than the other. Well, you started learning played with your dad. And then between, I know that high school you had coaches and stuff, but what did you do in between <laughs> as a young man? Did did you hire coaches? Are there even coaches out there or, or mentors or teachers? What's available to somebody in that those early years? Well, fortunately, when I was growing up at Onion Creek Club, we had some we had some great uh, head pros and assistant pros that worked in the shop that um, would get out and go play with it. Uh, my best friend and I, Todd Harbor, and his little brother and a couple other of us. So we'd get out and go play rounds with them, and uh, they showed us a lot. Uh, one of them was Brent Buckman, who was Ben Crenshaw's team uh, roommate and teammate at uh, the University of Texas back in the early 70s, and they won two national championships back-to-back. Another one was a gentleman named Jack Gaudian who had tried to walk on the team at the University of Texas and then realized he wasn't quite good enough, so he got in the golf business, but he knew a lot about the game, and he showed us, you know, would spend a lot of time with us on the golf course, chipping and putting, going out and playing and having little games with us. And when he got it, when he became an assistant pro, he would have, uh, we'd go out and play. And if we beat him, he would give us a sleep of golf balls. And if he beat us, we owed him a Coke. <laughs> so I owed him a lot of Cokes. And, uh, but uh, he'll never let me pay it all off. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Now, in your family, I mean, golf has been a family game. I mean, your dad taught <laughs> you guys, the, the boys. Yeah. And then uh, your brother was your caddy for a while, wasn't he? Yes, yes. Your uh, older brother. My oldest brother, Rusty, he... Uh, he uh, caddied for me, but he was a professional baseball player first. Right. And he also went to UT, I believe. Also went to UT for two years, and uh, he was a catcher there and caught Roger Clemens and Calvin Schiraldi. Wow. So he had some you know, great teammates that uh, went on to make it big in the pros, and he signed with Atlanta, got hurt, and they released him, and then he went down to Mexico and played in Mexico for three years. And then he started selling cars. And then we got the idea of maybe him, maybe to save a little money for him to try caddying for me to get me out on the PJ Tour. And lo and behold, we ended up making it through, and he caddied for me for six years. Wow. And he's still, he's still a professional caddy and now? He's still a professional caddy. He caddies for a, a gentleman named uh, Jeff Maggart, who 
actually the funny thing was Jeff was a senior at Texas A&M my senior year of high school and they were recruiting me. So Jeff was there on my recruiting trip. Oh, yeah. darn. Yeah. So uh, I've known Jeff since a senior in high school and uh, now my brother's caddying for him. So who caddies for you now? I just, I find different guys from site to uh, site from one tournament to the next. It just depends since I'm not out there full time anymore. I don't need anybody out there all the time. I'll just find somebody each okay. week. There's caddies out there that, are always trying to find a job for the week and hope they hit, you know, hit the jackpot. Well, I know as a golfer, I mean, it's up to your skill and your game, whether, would you, whether you bring home money or not, but the caddies get paid regardless. I mean, correct. And they yeah. make pretty good money. I understand. Yes. Uh, anywhere from, I would say now, depending on what tour, a thousand dollars to $2,000 a week. And then if their player does good, they get a percentage. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but they're Wait, all... what's the average? Age? Am I too old to be a caddy? I mean, that sounds like <laughs> no. kind of fun. Just you, just, you got to be able to keep up. <laughs> ah, I don't know about that. Well, if I can drive the cart. That'll 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 be a lot easier. Uh, so let me ask you this: in your in your time, have you ever come across any of the Latino greats, the Chichi Rodriguez or or Lee Trevino? Have you have you come across I, them at all? I have actually. When I was twelve years old, there was a tournament. They, they only had it one year down in. Uh, Greenleaf, Florida, just outside of Orlando, called the Andy Bean World Pro Junior. And it was one pro, one touring pro, paired with three juniors from three different age groups. And my dad and my mom went down with me, uh, took me down, I should say. And my dad ended up meeting Chi Chi and talking to him. And we ended up playing a couple of practice rounds with him and his nephews. And then just uh, got to know him really well. And he, uh, funny story is, it's actually a great story because after the tournament or one day, I think it was the day after the tournament or something, he took six of us kids, and we were all like 13, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13 years old, to Disney World in a little 15, 17 foot RV. And he drove wow. us there. And we parked, got to the parking lot, and he's like, okay, guys, here's those passes. I'll be right here. It's 8.30 right now. And he's like, I'll see you back here at 3 o'clock. So he sat in that RV for over six hours while we were in the oh, park. Oh, you guys went wild. While we went wild in the park. Hombre, he is probably drinking a beer, listening, <laughs> air conditioned on, all relaxed. Johnny Walker, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's very generous of him to do that. Uh, I mean, he's, God. he's just a, he's such a, a great, great human being. Um, he's done a lot for golf and a lot for junior golf. And uh, I still try to keep in touch with him every now and then. Um, I'm actually going to be down in Florida where he now resides, down kind of near West Palm Beach area. So I'll be down there at the, at the beginning of the new year. So I'm going to give him a call and see if I can at least get together with him. Yeah, I've I've been very fortunate to bump into him a few times, and he's a super guy. He's awesome. Super he's guy. Awesome. How you about know, how about Lee Trevino? Have you ever had have he, a chance to run into him? I've I've met him a couple of times. We had a short talk. Unfortunately, never got to play any golf with him. But uh, you know, and so that that's one person I would still like to get together and play some golf with. The other one that uh, I did get to play with was. Uh, in the Pro-Am one year at the Legends of Golf at Onion Creek Club, where I grew up and where I still live, I uh, got paired with Roberto De Vicencio. Mm, okay. And uh, 
another super nice man. He passed away five years ago, maybe now. Um, but, uh, he was a great golfer in his own right. I think he won 80 tournaments or so worldwide. Um, wow. so he was, he was an exceptional golfer, super nice man. And just, uh, and when the legends of golf was uh, at Onion Creek back in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, he and his partner, Julius Boros and yeah, even Chi Chi, some of the other golfers would come over to the house and just hang out and play pool, have a couple of beers and tell stories. Cause you know, my dad being Latino is, is like them and they'd come over and we just have a great closer to their age. Yeah, right? You, you yeah. were the kid in the room. I was the kid. So my dad was closer to their age and just have a great time. Omar, if you had to do it all over again, would you do it again? I would. Why? I just love it. And I'm competitive. Um, it's, it's one way to challenge yourself daily. Okay. Um, it's, it gives, it gives me purpose as well. Just trying to get out there. Um, to try to do better than I did the day before, even though it's almost impossible to do it every day. <laughs> okay, so you started golfing at age four. Mm-hmm. You're now what, 54? 52. 52. Okay, so you've been at this for almost 50 years. I mean, I can't even imagine how many swings you've, I mean, how many times oh. you've hit that ball over the years. But you do it again. I would. I would. I've been fortunate enough to not to have any crippling injuries that, uh, you know, hurts the golf swing or hurts, you know, that might debilitate my game. So I'm still at it and I still love it. And it's how long just, do you think you can keep doing it for? Oh, uh, we'll see. Um, competitively, I don't know how many more years as far as trying to get out on the champions tour. Uh, you know, nowadays guys are lasting a little longer out there. So yeah, you got better equipment, better equipment, but you know, physically and everything, we know a little bit more about working out and stuff, even though I don't do as much as I should. Um, but guys' bodies are lasting a little bit longer. Um, although you get the young kids who are working out, I think, in my opinion, way too much, and they're having injuries way early in their career that I think in the future are going to limit their career. But those guys are the ones making millions, so they'll be they'll be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they know how to save. Exactly. Omar, what has been your most – what's your best golf story? What's been the most amazing experience that you <laughs> that you've had? Well, there's a couple of them. The first one that comes to mind, um, once I turned professional, my brother Rusty, it was one of the, other than going through the PGA Tour qualifying tournament, I think it was the first tournament that my brother caddied for me on the, what is now the Corn Ferry Tour. It used to be the Nike Tour back in that day in 1994. And... On the round, the third round, we were playing and whatnot, uh, playing the third round of the tournament, and I got on kind of in the zone, as you would call it, and I made nine birdies in a row. Wow. Which, at that time, set the professional record Wow. of a professional in a PGA golf tournament or in a professional golf tournament, and the record still stands to this day. It's been tied, but it has not been broken in a professional golf tournament. So Nine birdies in a row. Nine birdies in a row. In a tournament. And I beat Chichi Rodriguez's record of eight. (laughs) That had to feel so good. So, and whenever Chichi and I, we, 
he and I and uh, Anthony Rodriguez from San Antonio will get together. Chichi had a fundraiser in San Antonio, and he'd have Anthony and I go out. And every year he told that story. He, he would tell the story of me making nine birdies in a row, beating his record of eight. That so, was amazing. And then the other story is in 1997, in the third round of the Phoenix Open, I got paired with Tiger Woods. Did you? And it was a day that he made his hole-in-one on the 16th hole out there and made that hole what it is today as far as the craziness of the spectators and and all that because he yeah, the crowd went nuts when he made it. I, I ended up, uh, I had the tee, so I hit first, and I hit it to about two and a half feet, almost right behind the hole. And I made the mistake of just thinking to myself, let's see you hit it closer than that. And I never watched him swing because he swung mm-hmm. so fast and hard at it. And I didn't want to get out of my rhythm. So I would turn my back and listen. And he hit and I started walking. I took about 10 steps and looked up. I saw the ball land, bounce one time and then bounce in the hole. And I just thought to myself, only Tiger. Wow. Turned around and it was just a shower of beer cans and cups <laughs> flying at the tee box. So I was glad I started walking. Um, but yeah, that was one of the, uh, that's my other really fun story, I should say. Well, with that, well, let's leave it on a high note. I don't want to, <laughs> I'm sure you have some heartbreaking stories as well. Oh yeah. But um, Omar, Omar Odeste, a man who uh, plays to work and works to play. I mean, that sounds like a heck of a life, Omar. Thank you, Omar, for being with us today. My uh, pleasure. Please do me a favor and say hello to your mom and your brother and your entire family and over you, there. You do Hope the same. To, I will. Hope to see you again soon. And keep swinging and keep playing. And, um, folks, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez, and we will see you next time.